Patrick Goldstein of the Los Angeles Times described it as a goofy delight. It's like a cross between a big-budget Three Stooges movie and a Hope Crosby Road picture, with dozens of old cowpoke gags thrown in to spice up the brew. Rita Kempley of the Washington Post described it as a calamity of a comedy, the perfect complement to concession stand nachos con cheese. And according to Jeff Andrew of Time Out, if you enjoy brainless slapstick that allows space for irrelevant absurdities like a singing bush and an invisible swordsman, it's entertaining enough. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of three amigos. Which one will it be? Hey everyone, or should I say howdy? And welcome to another Moon Childhoods. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the chaps are on. Um, I am one half of your hosting dynamic duo, Dan Wiener. And hey, I'm John Richardson. And on this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we are uh, we're talking about some of our truly favorite fools. The Three Amigos. The Three Amigos. Uh, a musical Western parody, homage, call it what you will. Uh, it is... Any of those. Yeah. I, I all mean, of the above. All of the above. Um, we we talked... Let's see. So, so far this month, we've talked about the Fat Boys and Disorderlies. We've talked about uh, John Turturro... Mel Smith and Bob Nelson and brain donors and, and George de la Pena. Thank you again for your time and your tales. Everybody listening. If you have not listened to our brain donors episode, listen to at least the last 15 minutes. We actually get a chance to speak with, uh, the great Valare himself, George de la Pena. Um, such a um, such a great guy. I really appreciated his time. Um, just such a such a sweet guy, and uh, very very talented actor, dancer, yeah, etc. And it's fun to hear. You don't often think about what goes into the playing of the, the portrayal of a character like the great Valari, but it's it's really interesting when you stop to think like, all right, now where did he get all this? Like how much of this yeah. was in the script? And so um, that was discussed and just some other um, really fantastic insights into the making of that movie, which totally, I know many people probably haven't, haven't seen it. So. Um, which is a shame. It's encourage. a lot of fun. It's, it's a dumb movie if you just look at it on its surface, uh, like if you're in a bad mood and you have about an hour and 20 minutes to be yeah. cheered up, I can think of nothing better. I can think of a few things that are better. Yeah. I mean, uh, most critics will disagree, but well, that said, not many people, not many critics, uh, reviewed it. So not uh, many critics are able to be cheered up. I don't yeah. Know. But that's not what we're talking. That's not what we're talking about this episode. You know, 
<laughs> you know what's what movie critics weren't too crazy about? Three Amigos. That is true. And I want to also be clear. It is Three Amigos, not the Three Amigos. Right. There are, are a lot of people who like to make the joke that if it were if there were a, a Spanish version done, it would be called Los Trace Friends. And that's not true because it's there's no no the in that title. Get it out of there. Yep. Yeah. So Get uh, the to a nunnery. I hey, <laughs> Shakespeare shout out. Okay. Another classic Shakespeare shout out for all of our big <laughs> Shakespeare heads out there. So, Sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, three amigos. Uh, yeah. yeah. Dan, as uh, you mentioned, critics do not care for it. No, in fact, um, share a, a funny story that in looking, looking into the, you know, behind the scenes and some stories around the film, um, Chevy Chase was on Johnny Carson, the, uh, the Tonight Show to promote Three Amigos in December 1986. And I, I, by the way, did not see this at the time. I, I don't remember seeing this at the time. Um, so I can't tell you where and when I saw the Carson show other than YouTube the other day. But um, uh, Carson asks them, you know, first he, he, they're talking about their favorite Chevy Chase movies and they're kind of, you know, they're, they're singing the praises of Fletch and vacation, vacation. Yeah. And then at, at a point in the interview, Carson asked, they're talking about like movies for the Christmas season. And he says, all right, what's your least favorite movie of the Christmas season? And Ebert just goes three amigos. Yeah. He left out the the, I think. Yeah, but, did, and then I, Chevy uh, Chase's response was, I'm looking forward to your next picture. Yeah. Which I think was a reference to Roger Ebert's screenwriting effort beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And that is a, uh, that's a low blow, but, but rightfully, rightfully said, rightfully I said, mean, <laughs> have you seen the, um, the Siskel and Ebert, like review show about three amigos not recently i'm sure i saw it back in the day but i couldn't tell so you anything about it what's interesting is that i don't fully disagree with what they say um I, gene siskel talks a lot about how the beginning is funny and there are funny moments but it's it's dull throughout which i definitely disagree with um Ebert pretty much uh, agrees with him, but uh, they were both lamenting about Chevy Chase, saying that he just kind of showed up and didn't really do much. And I kind of agree with that. Um, I'd say of the three of them, he definitely is the most laid back, kind of tuned out a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, and it's... Because Steve Martin and Martin Short are so strong, I kind of don't mind that there's one of them that's just kind of like toned down a little bit. I don't know. So it's well, it's interesting you should bring this up because I I was thinking about this earlier, not this like exactly, but I was thinking about the characters and I was thinking about the casting and about you know, what works about the casting. And I was thinking about Chevy Chase in his other roles. And 
it's kind of like, yeah, it's like he's done the smug thing. Right. Like at that point in, you know, 1986 by 86, he had done uh, Fletch and foul play and all that, you know, Caddyshack. So he had done kind of the the smug, slightly smarmy, kind of clueless guy. But. uh, You know, the, the kind of rich guy the you know clever guy whatever and it felt like dusty and dusty bottoms i love the such a great name i'm lucky day i'm dusty bottoms i'm ned niederlander um (laughs) all the names are wonderful uh so yeah i was thinking about the role and like it was kind of all right so now chevy chase is gonna play kind of the big doofy likable one he's the yeah the uh the simple guy he's the lenny (laughs) if we're gonna yeah end of mice and men terms he's the lenny sure and i mean steve martin is perfect as kind of like the real leader of the group martin short uh as kind of like the new the new kid uh which works because i mean this is his first starring role in a movie so it kind of fits uh and he's and he wonderful came around he he came on to snl and this, while steve martin was never an snl cast member he started making frequent appearances yeah. you know, within the first few seasons of the show so you know steve martin was practically a regular around snl whereas martin short was was new to snl actually he probably had just left snl Mm -hmm. when he did three amigos but so as in kind of like the ranking it 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 worked it fit the characters but um but to go back to to chevy chase it just felt like it, it wasn't that he wasn't doing anything it was just he was that he's just that kind of tall doofy like you can't dislike him. You just kind of feel a little bad for him. Like when, when, uh, when they're yelling at him, Flugelman, uh, Joe Montaigne yeah. is yelling at them. He goes, another nada. great name. And all those pictures you did, you know, the word nada and Chevy, there's just that moment silence and Chevy Chase is like, is that a sauce? Like, a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goes into like this description of this type of sauce. And it, it's just, it's this great moment where it's like, oh my god! Oh I w- no. I will also say Chevy Chase does have one of my favorite lines in the entire movie uh, when when they're all in Mexico and they're eating, and he just asks, "Do you have anything other than Mexican food?" <laughs> Which that was the that was like the line in the in the trailer that sold oh, that was that in the movie. trailer. I love and, that line. Yeah, but and it's one of those where it's like. It's it doesn't matter that it was in the trailer. It's funny every time. It's so good. Um, but what I mean, and that that along the same lines, when they walk into the to the bar, into the cantina and or no, I think they're outside the cantina. No, wait, they're inside. And uh, Steve Martin goes, you know, we're not Mexicans. We're not from around here. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's, it's, so for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, Dan, do you just want to give a quick synopsis? Quick synopsis. So the three, so in the movie, the three amigos, nope, uh, nope. no, but it's just called, three well, they amigos. are, 
but they are the three amigos. That is correct. Because they and they sing it. Um, so they're silent movie stars, and in these silent movies, they play these wealthy Mexican landowners who fight injustice as the three amigos. So it's kind of a take on Zorro and a lot of the old, you know, Douglas Fairbanks pictures and so the three amigos, you know, when, when when a small village is being terrorized by bandits who come in and, um, you know, they, they don't rape the women in silent film, but, you know, as much as they can, uh, you know, and take everything and rob them and loot. And then the three amigos come in and save the day and they fight them off and they each have their talents. You know, Ned Niederlander's a sharpshooter and, um, you know, Lucky Day, Steve Martin does rope tricks, which um, for those who don't know, Steve Martin did uh, has known how to do rope tricks since I think he was a teenager. Right. Working at Knott's Berry Farm. Learning rope tricks. That's true. So, yeah, uh, it's all in his memoir, Born Standing Up. Great book. So uh, the three amigos. But in reality, they are a couple of spoiled Hollywood. Yeah, they live. Bags. They live in like studio housing, like the studio mansion or whatever, and like they all wear- their all their clothes are provided by <laughs> the studio. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're from the movies. They're they're so yeah. So anyway, um, so the. So the three amigos have this successful run of movies and then they decide to depart from the formula and do something a little different. And it's it's a total bomb. The studio head wants them to kind of Flugelman. go back to their old form. Yeah, Flugelman, a Joe, Joe Montaigne of every David Mamet play. Of course, and everybody knows him from all the David Mamet plays. All the David Mamet plays. Yeah. No, but Joe, Joe Mantegna. Um, uh, <laughs> also, what, CSI, which, isn't he on a C- Criminal I'm, Minds. Sure. Criminal Minds. Joe Mantegna, Criminal Minds. Anyway, he's Flugelman. Uh, his two other, like, studio executives are played by John Lovitz and Phil Hartman, which uh, the movie was produced by Lorne Michaels, and it was co-written by Steve Martin and Randy Newman. And also, um, Lorne, Mike, Lorne Michaels was a writer on it. Yes, and um, and Lorne Michaels. But this is the uh, this is a screenplay co-written by Randy Newman, um, singer of "I Like to See You Smile" from the movie Parenthood. <laughs> um, and then he wrote new lyrics for Toy Story, and then it was called. Um, you've got a friend in me. So yes, back to, back to the three amigos, <laughs> this. So anyway, this is like really happening. There's this village called Santo Poco in Mexico. That's being terrorized by in this, real life. Well, well, in real life, in the movie, in real life, in the movie, three amigos, not in one of the silent yes. films. Yes. <laughs> so, um, the, I guess the daughter of maybe the wealthiest, man in town who's not necessarily all that wealthy uh carmen she and her brother rodrigo go you know they they go into the cantina which um you could compare to the most Eisley cantina it's where yes we'll definitely find someone here who can fight el guapo and his his bandits so they go in to this bar and basically she gets sexually harassed and 
they leave and they're passing by or they go into the church to pray and lo and behold i um whatever day of the week it is is the day the church is used as a movie theater and they see the three amigos and they think that these guys are for real they think it's legit so um so they write up they send a telegram to the three amigos asking them to come and save them from el guapo the three amigos get this telegram just well, as they're thrown out <laughs> i want to quickly interject uh if I'm not mistaken, and I have not rewatched this, I saw I watched it maybe a year or so ago. But mm. uh, isn't it so that to write the telegram was going to be too expensive, so they omitted a few words? Yes, they they yeah. omitted a few words, but 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 by omitting those words, it <laughs> made it seem like it was a gig rather than a yes. real thing. Yeah. Yeah, they thought that it was a that they were coming to do a show with like this big Mexican actor named El Guapo. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you. That was an important point. Um, I mean, I guess to a, to I, one of of maybe average or slightly above average intelligence would have understood the message, I think. Well, yeah, but these are arrogant yeah. Hollywood actors who think nothing except uh, about their their role in society and in movies. So to them, they right. are nothing but these big major stars. So of course, it would have to be about reprising uh, their roles as nope. That, three absolutely, amigos. that's the lens through which they view everything. So that's a that's a really good point. Um, and that leads us to uh, to Mexico. They go to Mexico to find Santa Poca, where they think they're going to do this show. They do. Um, they have a musical number that is, I mean, just one of the best in, I think, all movies. My Little Buttercup. My little, my, which we, at a certain point, when my wife, Alicia, and I first watched this movie or when she saw it for the first time i for me it was probably the 20th or 25th um it was before it was when we were planning our wedding and we debated staging and performing my little buttercup oh my god yeah um i mean (laughs) clearly that was not necessary at that wedding there was enough entertainment (laughs) but Long story short, we didn't do My Little Buttercup, but I did sing it to Chloe a lot when she was a little baby. Yeah. So amazing, uh, wonderful scene. And soon, so the three amigos uh, eventually encounter El Guapo, or they encounter a couple of El Guapo's bandits who are basically like caught off guard and don't know what to do about these guys. So they just kind of run off. Everybody thinks that they like have saved the day. The three amigos think they've, done their job and yeah i mean they kind of just ride around and shoot their fake guns into the air and yeah kind of do their little song and dance scream and howl yeah (laughs) um so but then they actually have to deal with el guapo who they discover is shooting real or rather jefe uh, el guapo's second in command right who is played by (laughs) who's played by i'm blanking on the actor's name but who is in disorderlies Yes. Um, 
I, I, I have his name written. And down. while and while you're looking that up, I'll also mention that El Guapo is played by Alfonso Arau. I I don't know how to pronounce mm-hmm. his last name. Uh, who Arau? Uh, Arau? I don't know. Uh, he has appeared in a ton of movies, but also directed a few, including A Walk in the Clouds with Keanu Reeves in 1995, which was produced by the Zucker Brothers. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. that's why it was so funny. um i believe was that the that may have been the one that they did like right after brain donors happened uh so a walk i walk in the clouds i want to say was summer 95 95. i remember their ad campaign had that pretenders song the i'll stand by you it was like keanu reeves running through a field isn't it like a world war ii drama not like maybe era- World War II. It is era long before drama. the Pretenders were sure were popular. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and Alfonso Arau was also one of the bandits in The Wild Bunch. Oh, uh, Sam Peckinpah, nineteen sixty-seven. So Tony Tony um, Plana or Plania. Oh, right, right, uh, right. Who we know from Disorderlies and who plays Jefe in um, in Three Amigos. Yeah, they uh, have the, they have that famous interaction, the plethora of plethora. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, I think, really iconic lines in this movie. Um, just to kind of close out the summary, you know, these 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 men who are really kind of small men at the beginning are faced with this challenge and just, you know, are they going to actually be the heroes that they've always pretended to be, or are they going to be, you know, soft Hollywood, you know, and unemployed. Right. Actors. So they, they find a way to El, oh, El Guapo has kidnapped Carmen from the village and, Long story short, three amigos <laughs> decide they're going to save the day. How many times have I said long story short? Yeah, uh, <laughs> not yet. long story less long. How about that? Yeah, um, it'd be a lot longer. But yeah, yeah. Uh, they they pull out a bunch of tricks. They hilarity ensues. Uh, it's it's a good time. Lots of great, lots of great one liners. A lot of great physical and- comedy. And and John, just to bring it back, since we're we're kind of we're tying up our our April Fools here, um, we do have some other personnel shared. Um, it might not be as entertaining to watch in the credits, but this film was edited by Mr. Malcolm Campbell, right? Doctor Malcolm Campbell. Yes, we brought this up on the last episode. The director of Brain Donors also directed. Uh, editor. What's that? Editor of Brain Donors. What did I say? Director. Ugh. Geez, sorry, Dennis Dugan. My, yeah, please accept my apologies. Man. It's Respect late. For Dennis Dugan. I've had a long day. The editor of yeah. Brain Donors also edited Three Amigos, uh, the fantastic Malcolm Campbell. Um, yeah. and, and Three Amigos directed by John Landis, who right. really, one of those directors who, you know, I, I don't think has an Oscar on his mantle, but really his films helped define the 80s. I put him in the same category with, Ivan Reitman, Richard Donner, sure. um, uh, John Badham, Martin Brest. I'd say between him and Ivan Reitman, it's like kind of like, wait, did 
did uh, Ivan Reitman direct this one or was it John Landis? Because it's kind John of Landis, back- I've remembered Joe Dante. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I feel like uh, Ivan Reitman and, and John Landis worked with a lot of the same people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they were both in the same especially scene. Like, well, Animal House, I think, because Ivan Reitman produced Animal House. Right. And so. Landis directed it. Yeah. And Landis also directed Kentucky Fried Movie. So oh. there's your connection to brain donors. Sure. You're welcome. Suckers. Um, yeah. All, all right. right. So back to Three Amigos. Yeah. So back to Three Amigos. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Clearly, it has been, a, you know, it came out in 1986. It's been maybe too long since it came out for there to be necessarily a sequel. Um, also, I believe that uh, one third of those three amigos maybe doesn't talk to the other two. Certainly, uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin um, are, I mean, they're constantly touring together. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, they are, they live together now. I think they're, you know, <laughs> they have bunk beds. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't, they should, right. at least on the tour bus. Yeah. Yeah. So, they did they did reunite for so i think it was an entertainment weekly shoot i have it it's in the booklet of the blu-ray but they did like a three amigos reunited and maybe it was uh, 2011 2010 oh yeah i vaguely remember this yeah um so but i i it sounds like chevy chase has kind of burned a lot of bridges yeah so yeah, I I don't necessarily know that that would that that would work. Um, you know what you could do, though, John. What could you do? A musical? No. Um, <laughs> actually, no. That was that was one of my thoughts, and I'm like, well, I can't just every week now just say, ah, oh, turn it into a musical. Uh-huh. Um, so, but I actually think a musical would work really well for Three Amigos. Uh, you could also there's some other ideas I had with this. So one thing, if you had to do something with it, if you could find the right actors to play the younger three amigos, and I mean, we're talking like, you know, early, like mid twenties, uh-huh. three amigos. Um, if you found the right actors to kind of play them and you kind of show how they either like came together or like maybe how they like, were they a vaudeville team? How did the three, you know, who met who first? And it would be funny because you could also do it as um, if you wanted to tie it together, if you want to involve Steve Martin and Martin short, you could have it be like flashbacks and have it. You could, you could, you could have a series or you could have just a film and where it's, you know, the old Lucky telling his story and the old Ned telling his story. I don't know. Maybe they're different. Maybe they're both telling stories. I don't know. Um, it's like a very special episode of The Golden Worlds. Well, and this is what, what we had talked about briefly with brain donors, with a young Flack Pfizer, with John Turturro as an old man kind of reminiscing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That's <laughs> that's true. Um, but, you know, another thought that I had was not necessarily a sequel, not necessarily a prequel, but you know, John, a few years ago, a movie came out called the artist. (laughs) 
And that movie was almost entirely silent and it won Best Picture. And really nothing ever. I, I expected more silent films. I expected more of that in pop culture. And that really didn't happen, you know, for better or for worse. And I'm wondering what like this just sounds like HBO, HBO who produced this movie. HBO could do a Why not do a series? Harry Flugelman presents. Well, it's funny that you should mention that because one of my ideas was a Flugelman centered prequel, which is uh-huh. so the one thought that I had, because one, I was starting to think like, Oh, what if it was a three amigos like animated series? And uh, that way it doesn't necessarily have to be the voices of the original people. And mm-hmm. it could just be them getting into their antics, but it's complicated with them, these white actors portraying, uh, you know, Latin American people. So you do a series of graphic novels or, you know, comics. I think that just the, it, it works for them to be doing that because this is a parody and it is calling out what was happening at that time, but to constantly I don't know. To do it now, I think would be a mistake, but to do a Flugelman presents and it have it be like centered around, was it Harry Flugelman? Harry Flugelman. Yeah. yeah. Centered around Harry Flugelman and uh, the different productions that he has going on. Um, kind of like a 1916 version of like the movie Hail Caesar, the Coen brothers movie that's centered around mm. a studio. And, you know, it's the kind of studio, the Josh head, Brolin, character. the Josh Brolin character in Hail Caesar. Yeah. Uh, and kind of seeing the different productions that are going on. I think it could be really interesting for a silent film era. Um, and clearly wouldn't be Joe Montana, but does it not have to be Joe Montana? Um, it could be anybody, as the Flugelman character. David Krumholtz. David Krumholtz. Oh. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Listen, John, I think we've established Oscar Isaac can do anything. He's perfect. So, I mean, there's a place for him in this. Maybe Oscar, I, I know, he's uh, it's like, could he be El Guapo? Oh, he could be anything. Yeah. Oscar Isaac could be all three amigos. <laughs> so, and actually, um, once we wrap up three amigos, we're going to get to some, uh, some news. Uh, we had some trailers dropping, oh, yeah. uh, including Oscar Isaac in the Adams family. Right. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I just want to get some closure here. Sure. On well, three amigos that, and- that's so, though. So I'm glad that we are aligned on the Flugelman idea. Centering on Flugelman, I, I, I like, and yeah, it's, ah, it's fun. I think it would also be fun to just, it would be fun to have like an anthology series of, or, I mean, I think both would work, um, you know, an anthology series of like, you know, short, silent films and you could get, you know, a lot of, I think you get a lot of really talented people to, to contribute and you could have different um, you know, different filmmakers contribute episodes and, right. you know, kind of, uh, you know, pay homage to different silent film genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
I love it. Flugelman. So Dan, I want to know, do you have any memories from when you first saw Three Amigos? I'm so glad you asked, John. Of course I'm asking. Um, Because I do remember. um, And, you know, of of course, going back this far, I, I might be wrong. I might be entirely off on this, but I have a pretty clear memory that it was um, it was one night of Hanukkah. I don't remember <laughs> which of the eight it was, but on that on that Hanukkah night, and I believe it was a school night. Um, after dinner. Or no. It might have been in the it might have been late afternoon before dinner, before sundown, before candle lighting. Mom took me to the Westfield Rialto at, to see Three Amigos. Okay. And I do also remember when you first saw it. Really? Yeah. So, and this is another one with you know I I might be totally off on this, but I. I have a pretty clear memory. And this was during the summer 1987 trip to California. Oh my God. Right. And if I remember correctly, which is, which is when we saw masters of the universe. Yes. Yeah. So, all right, get ready. (laughs) Um, If I remember correctly, and I believe I do. We were staying at the home of our mother's cousin, Cookie, uh, Muriel, but known as Cookie. Okay. Our listeners um, are taking notes right now and scribbling. So we were st- well, you know, man, context. Context is everything. So we... So we were, and now that I, now that I think about it, I realize this was not the act of a, of a kind person, but the act of an adult who wanted to get the children out of the way. So Cookie's husband at the time, Frank, Mm -hmm. drove us to a local shopping center where we went to the video store and picked out a movie to rent and picked out a snack from a supermarket. Uh, I believe we got Nestle Crunch popsicles. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you're such an we, insane person. <laughs> we rented the three amigos. I No, we didn't. We rented three amigos. We rented three no, we rented the the three amigos movie. Okay. <laughs> the movie called yeah. Three Amigos. We rented the, the three amigos VHS video. Got set. it. <laughs> I I mean look, I could be totally wrong. The odds of you being wrong with this many details is probably pretty slim. So, yeah. And I, you know, I told you earlier that I had had found some artifacts and I think this might help people understand. (laughs) Um, So I found and well, we'll post some pictures of these. I'll I'll take some pictures and we'll we'll post them to... um, Rune Childhood's pod, our uh, Instagram feed. Yeah. And I'll also put them in this episode's description. Uh, and if you're using apps like uh, CastBox um, or Pocket Casts, I believe, you'll be able to see the images in the episode description. Not all of them, not all the apps show it. But anyway, Dan, what you got? 
All right. So what I have is is this cigar box. Oh my god! You still have the cigar box. I still have the cigar box. Oh yeah. my god! And this is where I started keeping ticket stubs. And I'm looking for the first one. I actually remember what the first one was. And now some of these that I've gone through since I found this are you 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 can't you you can barely read it. Like you need some type of special light to read it. But the first one that I remember getting would have been April 1990 bird on a wire. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Bird on a wire. But, but I also have in here uh, a pretty, Oh, con air, a pretty clear con air um, ticket stub. I have. So there were some that I know what they say only because I guess this was the month of that year that I decided to write down the words oh, wow. that weren't on there. So that would be hot shots. Yeah. The So the words are all faded. You can't read anything except Dan, Dan's handwriting that says shots. Yeah. I wouldn't know what this was if I didn't write Fisher, oh, Fisher above King. King. Fisher King. So these are, I mean, some of these are like some of my favorite movies. Some of them are movies I forgot existed. But what's also cool is you can see the, you know, the matinee price of three seventy five. Oh, my God. Um, I've got. Oh, wait. See, you wouldn't know what this was. You might think it was dying young if I didn't uh, write young guns, guns too. two under <laughs> young. So um, I found my Adams family stub in here from the original Adams family. Wayne's World was in here. Um, all three Austin Powers. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep um so i mean they you really don't do like ticket stubs anymore for movies and like it's a lot of clutter but i also miss it so but you think that 1990 is the earliest one in there i'm i'm pretty sure that was when i decided like all right i'm gonna start keeping ticket stubs for movies i so because I, I think I think that was when I started to, I think that was when I like started just kind of going on my own to the movie theater to, you know, to check out whatever was new. Okay. Listeners, I want to paint a picture for you um, of Dan's childhood bedroom. So Dan, along with some like full size movie posters also subscribed to premiere magazine which does not exist anymore. And in Premier Magazine, there were, it's it's kind of like wider than your standard magazine. Um, oh, that's the Curly Sue uh, <laughs> ticket stub right Curly there Sue. at Movie City. Yeah. So um, Movie City Five. So Premier Magazine was kind of uh, standard magazine height, but the width was a little bit wider, and they had these full oh, yeah. page. Um, posters for movies and Dan would rip them out or cut them out and they'd be stuck to the wall with that like blue tack like putty yeah that uh I don't know if that exists anymore um it sure does yeah <laughs> so uh but I don't though, use it for <laughs> but it was basically wall to wall movie posters and, only ones that I saw I would not put them up if I had not seen them yet Dan's uh, bedroom door had a Terminator 2 Judgment Day poster on it for a while, um, full size. Uh, 
course. It was exactly what you think it would look like based on everything that you've heard Dan say over the course of the past 13 episodes. Yeah. I mean, that was like what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched movies. That was, I didn't do much else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what, yeah. what I feel like, anyway, Dan, what I, <laughs> what I feel like we should actually do is, um, maybe in the next few weeks. Wow. That's a blockbuster card right there. That is a blockbuster card from the Brunswick shopping center. Oh my God. And that's probably East Brunswick. New so, Jersey. uh, if we're having trouble figuring out what the next episode should be, we should just do a little blind grab from that cigar box. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we could read what it is. Yeah. yeah no, other, Shanghai uh, noon. Yeah. Otherwise we're just going to be doing uh curly Sue, uh, reboots. <laughs> Yeah, no, like seriously, some of these, I'm like, I saw that. I saw that period. I saw the rock star starring Mark. Mark. This, these were all the movies that I saw when I was on uh, my theater tour in the, in the Southeast. Gotcha. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, that was, yeah. was that the children's theater tour? Yes, it was. Right um, educational theater company of Louisiana. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I feel like we've, we've said everything that we need to say about three amigos. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, there isn't much in the, in the way of, uh, of news about reboots and sequels. Uh, I did read one interesting thing we had mentioned on a previous, on a prior episode, um, that there were, there was going to be a new Charlie's angels and uh, oh yes there is elizabeth banks elizabeth banks with like kristen stewart i forget who else was going to be in it but uh allegedly it's going to not be just a straight reboot it's going to be kind of a continuation of the television series and the mcgee movies um so it is not a straight up reboot it is in in a way a sequel it is canon it is allegedly canon so um i thought that was pretty interesting that is interesting yeah i just assumed it would be like another reboot kind of right. like the the um like the, the, Mitchie, the first one i the first one i thought was a lot of fun um bill murray yeah. wasn't that one yeah yeah bill murray mm-hmm. so um okay that's interesting and john have you now have you seen the uh I haven't seen the trailer for the Charlie's Angels. I did check out the Adams Family oh, yeah. trailer. Yeah, looks fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of fun. It takes, uh, it's, there's like this moment. I had this moment of readjustment where it's like, that doesn't sound like Raul Julia. And then like the other voice in my head said, well, yeah, no, it shouldn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. it's, it's clearly not taking hints from, the 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 movies that came out um it's it's definitely doing its own thing but being true to the original artwork mm-hmm. yeah so which i think i think one thing that like handlers of the adams family property have been really good about is being able to reinvent it every time yeah from from the original cartoon to the tv show to the to the everything uh, you know, to the to the 90s movies but then this animation and the style of animation that they're using i think is kind of like it's the right the, the musical 
Um, but I think that this animation is kind of, it's the right next step in the evolution of the Adams family. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, looks like a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, me too. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I know there's a new ch- um, child's play teaser. Uh, I haven't checked that one out yet though. Um, Neither have I. Yeah. I don't think there's been a lot too much other news. Um, I mean, there's the new the Star Wars, the new Star Wars trailer. Did you have any thoughts about that? Um, I, I kind of at this point remind myself with every Star Wars trailer that all movies, all Star Wars movies have awesome trailers. Like episode two had an awesome trailer. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I was a little disappointed with, with last Jedi. I was a little disappointed with force awakens. I, and I think there's this part of me that, that will never be able to accept like Star Wars movies that aren't the ones that I grew up in love with. And yeah. there's something about those movies um, you know, the original, the, you know, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. There's something about them that it, it just, it hasn't been the only other Star Wars movie I've found kind of that energy in was Rogue One. Rogue One is great. Rogue One was great. Solo was great. Yeah. Well, Solo was fun. Solo a lot of fun. Solo was a lot Solo of fun. Solo was a lot of fun. Yeah. Rogue One is really good. Yes. So it, it, so that said, there's a lot of really fascinating theories about, you know, with the title and what everything means. And we have, you know, what the emperor, what is back, you know, Ian McDarm, Dick Darmid is back as the emperor. We will see what happens. So it's it's intriguing. They certainly dropped, um, you know, enough enough bait. You know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We I mean, we'll definitely talk about this when we actually talk about Star Wars. I I enjoyed Force Awakens. Um, I think that Last Jedi is good. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this because this is another J.J. Abrams. I I like his work. I liked what he did with Force Awakens. So I look forward to, what is it, The Rise of Skywalker or something like that? The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. What, that, um, you just held up, what was that, Austin oh, Powers? I have Austin, some, these are Austin Powers 2 trading cards. And I don't remember how I ended up with these. Um, I don't know if I got them when I saw the movie or what they, box of cereal. Hey, yeah. Um, no, you know, <laughs> something tells me it wasn't a box of cereal. I, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm kind of ruling that one out. It's just, you know, you know, you know, when it's yeah. a box of cereal thing, like when it's from a pack, when it's like from a, from it's like, if it was from a pack of like, you know, wax paper covered cards that had like the gum in it, I would smell the gum. It still smell the gum. Yeah. From. So yeah. Dan, do you want to tell our listeners what our next episode is going to be? Oh my goodness. Um, so <laughs> for our next episodes, we, we bandied about quite a bit, John. <laughs> so, um, um, after, after quite a bit of consideration, we've decided that for our next episode, we will be revisiting 1991's What About 
Bob. Yeah. So the uh, the next episode is going to be released on the final day of April. So it kind of begs the question, like, we still have room for another April Fool. And when I asked Dan, like, does Bob Wiley count as a fool? Dan came back with a very interesting question. Who is the fool in that movie? Hmm. We'll have to talk about it next time on Ruined Childhoods. Excuse me. Are you the singing bush? Let me talk to him. Excuse us. Are you the singing bush? Hello? Hi. Hi. Give me some time to blow the man down. Excuse us! Good night, ladies. Good hey! night, ladies. Good night, ladies. We're gonna leave you now. Merrily we roll Forget along, it. Roll My along, guess along, is this along, is a singing bush. Let's go summon the invisible swords. Summon the invisible swords. Can't believe I'm doing this. You know, let me see here. We each have to fire one shot in the air, say the magic chant, and the invisible swordsman will appear. And I'm full of work, dead, seven, seven. You've killed the invisible swordsman. He's dead, all right. How was I supposed to know where he was? We were supposed to fire up. We both fired up. It's like living with a six-year-old.